Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are loving and that you are good in spite of the fallenness of our world, in spite of the pain and suffering in our world. We praise you and thank you that you are not immune to it. You did not refuse to enter into it. Thank you for Jesus. We ask that we, as we look now, as, as we look at the first half of this story, we pray that you'd bless us and help us to have a richer understanding of all that Jesus has done for us. Father, we pray that you'll bless us in this for your glory and our joy together. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, growing up in a non-Christian family, but hearing Christmas carols on an, a Christmas carols cassette that we owned, uh, there were a few things that I didn't quite understand. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. What were boughs of holly? Uh, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. To a six-year-old mind, my, my thought was immediately... Could Santa see through my roof? But one of the most confusing for a non-Christian who didn't know the gospel story was this song. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Three kings from China coming to see Jesus. Where can I find that in the Bible? I found out later that they weren't from China, but when I became a Christian, I still had one minor nagging question about this passage. What is it doing here? What is this story here to show us? Is it here to show us that Jesus was respected by some people? Is it just some random story at the start of Jesus' life? What is its purpose? Well, to work that out, we need to meet the major characters of the story, This is like a great action movie. Uh, We're going to be introduced immediately to the characters, and we're going to see very quickly who they are. So let's meet the first guy, the bad guy, Herod. Uh, King Herod gained power to the throne uh, with Roman permission. He was an Idumean by descent, which means that he was an Edomite. Now, to get the shock of that, try and imagine the US president turns out to be a Mexican. Or try to imagine the Prime Minister of Singapore turns out to be a Malaysian. Hmm. He was a master builder. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was a master builder who built aqueducts. They built great fortresses, massive homes for himself. And he restored the temple of Jerusalem. The temple that Jesus visited was the temple of King Herod. But he was also ruthless with his enemies slaughtering half of the religious leaders who opposed him, killing another 300 court officials, executing his wife, his mother-in-law, and three sons. And as he lay dying, he arranged for all the notable men of Jerusalem to be assembled in a massive stadium and, killed, and were killed as soon as his own death was announced so that people would weep instead of rejoice on the day of his death. So immediately, as Matthew opens up this story, the bright warning lights are flashing bad guy. So on to the other characters. But these men seem to have quite a few misconceptions about them, some of which are in the lines of the song We Three Kings. First, we don't know how many number there were. 
Three was the number of their gifts, not the number of the wise men. Matthew just uses the plural to describe this group of them. Second, these kings weren't really kings. Uh, Wise men fits. Wise men fits, but the word translated is the word magi and could have referred to priests, magicians, enchanters. Uh, Most likely, these men were specialists in dreams and astrology, given that a star piqued their interest enough to travel and find out what was going on. Third, the Orient in the song probably derives from the Latin word, which just means east. So in our Bibles, when it refers to wise men from the east, that's an appropriate translation. The Orient is an outdated word for Eastern Asia, which is really unhelpful to be singing. They were actually probably from Babylonia. Fourth, the timing of their visit is often associated with the birth of Jesus. So you often get pictures like this of nativity scenes with the three wise men appearing along with the shepherds. But this is highly unlikely. The star appeared only when Jesus was born. And if the men left immediately, it would have taken at least a few weeks or perhaps up to two years before they arrived. So it would have looked a little more like this though perhaps with a less creepy guy in the background. (laughs) Okay, so now we've gotten to know the characters. We've gotten to know uh, the wise men and Herod. So what do we have going on in this scene? Read again with me verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now look over that again and notice. You've got a wicked, illegitimate king over Israel. Met by some wise men, pagan astrologers, who have been led to Jerusalem by a curious star. And for some unknown reason, the wise men have linked that star with the birth of of a new king, the king of the Jews. In an ironic twist, Herod has to ask his own priests what is going on, and they have to go away in their studies, lock themselves away, and they come out and they realize that in the Old Testament, these wise men seem to have made a connection, because in the Old Testament it says that the new king of of Israel will be born in Bethlehem. Now Herod doesn't know what to make of this, so he hatches a plan. Get these wise men to report back to him so that he can go and get rid of this contender to the throne. And off the wise men go. They find Jesus. They bow down before him. They offer him gold and myrrh and frankincense. They receive a dream and they go home via a different route. They don't go back to Herod. And Herod never finds out the exact location of this new baby. And that's the story briefly. So again, what is the purpose of this story? It could just be a story to tell us how greatly Jesus was respected from birth. This is not uncommon. It's not uncommon for foreign dignitaries to pay respects to newborn royalty. You guys know Prince William and Kate Middleton, the future king of Australia. They have three children, George, the oldest, Charlotte, the middle, and Louis, or Louis, Louis, uh, at the, uh, coming up in the rear. Now, when George was born, lots of dignitaries went and visited him. Lots of world leaders met with him, including Australia's then Prime Minister Tony Abbott, 
who proclaimed George to be one day king of Australia. And he also met US President Barack Obama. Uh, George was about three at the time, and he met Barack Obama in a bathrobe. And Barack Obama joked a bit later that that broke serious protocol. So, this could be a story of foreigners paying respects to the future king of Israel. But if you read this story in the light of Isaiah chapter 60, then you see something bigger going on. So, this story that happens here in Matthew 2, let's guess it's around 0 AD. We're going to rewind back 800 years. And we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine your light, for your, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon, the, upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah here is picturing a darkened world in need of light. Now, this theme plays over and over again throughout that massive book. And now our light has come. It's God's light. That you, the you there referring uh, to, uh, the, the, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you, is referring to the people of Israel. And now he's going to tell them about this servant who is going to come, this Messiah. So carry on in verse 3 and see if this sounds familiar. I've highlighted the particular words for you. <clears throat> and nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news. The praises of the Lord. Again, I've highlighted the key words for you up on the screen, but see how these words, 800 years before the birth of Jesus, have such strong echoes of our story today. The nations represented by the Magi respond to the light, they travel from afar, they bring their gold and frankincense, and they receive the good news. The wise men have come to worship Jesus. And in doing so, they fulfill God's promise,、uh, promise word from Isaiah. Now, in the context of Matthew's gospel, this makes sense. See, the purpose of this passage isn't just to say that Jesus fulfills、uh, scripture, but it also gives us this news of wonder. Pagan astrologers are transformed to worship Jesus. Responding to God's initiative, they journey, they find Jesus, and they worship him in fulfillment of what God has promised. This is the purpose and the point of this passage today that the great news is for everyone here. God promises that no matter who you are, from the best to the worst, All of us are sinners. God has taken the initiative to send Jesus into the world. And anyone who sees him is invited to come and worship him. The Christmas story 
is simply the beginning of the story. The Easter story is the culmination of it all. And everything that we've seen so far in our sermon series, Encounters with Jesus, points to this. In Luke chapter 2, we saw that Jesus should leave us breathless, astonished at how magnificent he is. In Luke chapter 7, we were profoundly reminded that it doesn't matter how deep your sin, you can be forgiven by Jesus. In Luke chapter 19, we saw last week that when Jesus seeks and saves the lost, the response is overflowing joy, faith, repentance, and generosity. And today we're being reminded that even those who are on the outside are welcome to come and worship Jesus. The old Christmas carol opens with the lines, We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar. Well, there aren't three kings in this story. But there are two kings. The true king of Israel that the wise men have come to worship, Jesus. And there is another king, a false king. A king who sets himself up as ruler and rages against the true king of Israel. Herod acts in an incredibly self-centered, self-driven, self-occupied way. Jesus threatens his reign and rule, so he fights back. One of the big questions that this passage leaves us with this morning is this. Who will be king of your life? If Jesus is not king, then we're all going to be like little Herods running around trying to be king over our own lives. And when anything threatens our independence, our autonomy, our self-rule, our self-governance, when anything threatens the kingship of our lives, then we act in response. And maybe some of us will flee if we feel threatened, or some of us, like Herod, will fight. But either way, if we're not living living our lives with Jesus as the true king, we will be setting ourselves up in opposition to him. Only Jesus can be the true king because only Jesus is worthy of it. What happens when you get lots of kings running around, not only trying to rule their lives, but try to rule the lives of other people as well? You get war. You get broken relationships. You get a broken world that we all know and feel. What do you get when you have a group of people who have one king over them? Look around you and you will see. You will see a a group of people who are united as one. A group of people who reflect the king's love a group of people who reflect the king's joy and generosity. Now, we're not perfect, but we do know together that Jesus is totally worth our devotion, our worship, and our lives. So who will be your king? And will you make Jesus your king today? I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to invite you to do just that.
as we rise and sing our final song, what child is this? Remember that he is the child king, worthy of our worship and praises. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus is worthy of our worship and praise. Just like the wise men as they came and saw him, help us, Father, to be able to see Jesus rightly. If we, if, if we have heard today and been challenged that we are living with ourselves as king, we ask for your help, your mercy to seek and save us, to help us to see that having Jesus as king is the only thing that makes sense. Father, we pray that you'd be at work in us to draw us to Jesus, to bow down before him. May we come to his light. For we ask this for our joy, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.